On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 for Dave and Dijanovic. For your next date night or client breakfast, whether you're heading to the airport or your anniversary, no matter the event, black is always in style. The all-new Uber Black now offers premium vehicles, highly rated professional drivers, and even the ability to request a quiet ride. Uber Black. Predictably premium. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, we've got a repeat guest uh, from episode 37, a little over three years ago. Uh, we had Jay Davis on. Anytime you're talking to friends and and I try to be pretty objective. I mean, even with our own clients, because really with our own clients, we have to be super picky because if we, if we go work with like, we only have seven or eight clients at a time. Talking about, uh, viral videos and, and all the stuff that his firm creatively does. Um, what we're going to be doing today is talking about, uh, what's happened in the meantime and, and the launch of one of his new businesses and talking about the mini-series that, that Jay is going to be joining us for uh, going forward. We're, we're calling it uh, Startup Marketing Geniuses. Um, Jay, for people who didn't catch episode 37, can you give us the elevator pitch on what Creatively is? Yeah, so Creatively is uh, a marketing advertising agency that specializes um, in helping startups who are kind of ready for rapid growth to achieve that rapid growth through marketing. And so we really specialize in doing disruptive marketing um, and helping people approach their marketing in a different way. We really believe that disruptive products need equally disruptive marketing. And so that's kind of our whole focus. Sure. Uh, you know, I think, I think one of the things is we've got to know each other better. I mean, since that episode, we've done road trips. We've done all sorts of stuff. I'm a good friend. I've I've splashed your $80,000 3D camera with uh, powder snow for my snowmobile. Super fun. (laughs) All sorts of good stuff. (laughs) Um, uh, I think I really grew more of appreciation. I mean, there's so many people that can recognize the genius of a Dollar Shave Club video and... It's 27 million views and they sell the company for a billion, whatever. But I think what I didn't understand back when you were on the show the first time is like the whole rest of the iceberg that's under the water. Like you've got this, you make these crazy funny videos that, you know, are so funny. People watch advertisements for like three or four minutes, but I didn't catch the sidekick videos and the follow-up and the retargeting and the ad spend and, and just like the whole disruptive campaign that you guys do. Yeah. And that's, that's something that we've in just even the last two years, I've dived a lot deeper into is, is how do you use video and, uh, you know, ad spend on social media and other, like even radio and TV to build this whole kind of campaign where when you have a great startup company with a great product, how do you help them achieve rapid growth but rapid growth that is uh actually profitable not just dumping a ton of money into marketing that you're not sure is working and so it's been a really uh, amazing lesson and experience uh, over the last especially two years as as i've kind of grown creatively 
outside of myself um, and brought on a lot of amazing, talented people uh, to really see how do you help a startup really achieve that? Well, I mean, the, the track record of these people come, they spend a few hundred thousand with you and they get a few million. <laughs> I can see how it, you know, it builds creates, on a, lot, itself. It creates yeah. a lot of demand, right? Yeah. Um, when you think about, uh, you know, cause I, I was going, we were going through your clients and stuff and I was looking at your buyer's guide, you know, um, and I want to say you guys have had over 200 million views for your clients' videos, right? Yeah. Between the stuff that I Beforehand uh, and now did and before and now. Yeah. I mean, and it keeps growing. We have, you know, a client that we did last year that that campaign has 30 million views and so it just keeps going up and up, and we're, and we're able to really learn as you do that. You really improve, and and it's amazing how I really believe if you want to do anything well, you just gotta keep doing it and and just keep improving. And that I think a lot of times that's the biggest challenge for people. I think it's Ira Glass who has that quote that like, you know, when you first start, your 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 style and your taste are there, but you aren't really able yet to create content or create things that match up with your expectations or match up with your style. But if you just keep at it over time, you eventually get there. And I think that's what's so hard about creativity is you just have to be doing it all the time. And so um, for us, it's been really awesome to be able to find great clients who have amazing products and then we're able to augment that and build on that with great marketing. Well, and... As impressive as 200 million views is, and that is impressive. I mean, there's a lot of YouTubers that can get that for themselves, but there are obviously much fewer people who have been able to get that for someone else. Yeah. Right. And around advertisements that people <laughs> yeah. don't want to watch. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Right. Um, but I think, and maybe this is one of the reasons that you and I've become friends is, um, you know, I like advertising. I've got lots of my friends from art school, you know, before I got into finance, I'm an art school dropout, right? Plenty of my art school friends own advertising agencies, art work at agencies, right? And, and they really love the art and they can do the storytelling and it looks beautiful. Um, but as I look at the marketing world in general, usually conversation stops at views. We got how many views or we got how many Facebook likes or we had this much brand engagement or stuff. And what I love about you guys is how much you're talking about that generated this much revenue and, you know, these clients, I mean, if you add up the stuff before and the stuff now, isn't it like $150 million of revenue? Yeah. And that's, and that's, I think that key difference, I think that's something that's hard in marketing. A lot of times is people want to, they don't want to sell. They don't want to, that's kind of almost below them. They, they see like generating revenue and talking about revenue and how much revenue is this going to make? they see as like, well, no, 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 we're artists. And it's like, yeah, but we're marketers who need to market and make money. And, and I think that's why, like, you know, the CEO and the CMO are the most contentious kind of relationship in the C-suite. And that's often because the CMO doesn't want to kind of be held to uh, numbers and revenue goals and, and they just kind of want like, well, we just want to get in front of people and get eyeballs. Um, and, and we're not afraid get some good brand awareness. Yeah. And we're not afraid to tie directly our campaigns to revenue and say, well, what did we do? How much money did it make? How do we do better? How do we improve? Um, 
where where a lot of uh, marketers I've noticed don't want to have that conversation. They don't want to be like held down to sales. Um, and you see that also with sales and marketing that that a lot of companies don't want to mix sales and marketing. They want marketing to kind of be its own, just like, you know, art stuff and creativity. And we're not going to be held down to things like how much revenue did we generate? Yeah. And, and to be fair to my other friends that own agencies and, and just agencies in general, you know, the CMOs that they're working for oftentimes are not, are not asking for revenue. Yeah. Right. They're yeah. asking for brand engagement numbers. They're asking for, for likes and views. And so the agency is, is giving them what they ask for. Yeah. And the industry on a whole gives awards for the creativity of ads and they don't, they don't give out awards for revenue generation from ads. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Can lions, Clio's tellies, you name the prize and it's, it's, it's not a revenue based yeah. Prize, right? Yeah, they're giving a lot of awards to ads that unfortunately no one watches. And so or, or that tons of people watch and love, but nobody bought anything from Yeah. Yeah. Right? And I think that that's just I, I mean, if you read advertising uh, you know, ad week and, and all these different publications, people are starting to notice that. Like that we're as we've shifted away from T V and radio where things are harder to track, you can track them, but it's harder to track and we're shifting into social media. Like it's becoming clear that a lot of companies have a problem where they're, they're spending a lot of money on create creativity or content. Uh, and they're, they're kind of starting to wonder what is that content doing for us? What kind of revenue is it generating and why are we investing so much money? So we're seeing that shift. I mean, every week it seems like ad week has another big, article or expose about like here's how the ad industry is changing here's how the ad industry has to adapt um so it's happening um and we're starting to see that you're starting to see more and more that you can't just focus on well, we're just going to make some cool pretty content and hope that that allows us to to stay in business and stay you know focused on creating our own stuff like you, you have to start tying it now with social media and you can see every dollar, every click, every person who follows that campaign, you have to tie it more directly to revenue. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's the people that are overdoing it and they're, they're only optimizing ad spend and they're not paying attention to what that ad is. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know yeah. what I mean? Right. Yeah. And, that's and they go, they go a hundred percent science and, and by losing that art, you know, and that's the real challenge. Like I, I think the real challenge in marketing as with many other things is like, how do you combine the liberal arts, the, the you know, the artist side of it, but also the science side of it and kind of bring those together. And we're seeing that right now in marketing. Like you have most people in marketing either sit very heavy on the brand side, very much on the brand awareness side, creating content, or if they, they sit very heavy on the ad spend side, uh, optimization, SEO, like that kind of more science side of marketing. And I think a big key to our success has been trying to bring those two worlds together. Like we're still making stuff that looks nice, that looks good. Um, and we're trying to be innovative there. But then at the same time, we're not afraid to say, hey, you should buy our product. And, and I think that's a, a key difference. Uh, I'm amazed how many companies 
you know, in all their advertising, never actually say, hey, you should buy this. Um, and it doesn't have to be an infomercial. I think that's another thing that we've been able to help our clients overcome is it doesn't have to be, we can do a lot of what Dollar Shave Club did for Dollar Shave Club, um, but we don't have to, to, to do it the exact way that they did it. Um, that it's actually some deeper strategies and ideas underneath that that kind of facade or, or the kind of that superficial level that are really the reason why that worked. It's not because he was, you know, said the F word right away. And you know, it, it's just always funny to me when people come to us, they're like, well, let's just do exactly what they did. And it's like, well, now people have already seen that and it has to be something new. Well, and this is, that was your big, me- when you were on the show three years ago, that was the message that I got loud and clear. And it's yeah. funny since then, how much I notice unexpected, unexpectedness is such a huge thing for something to get shared and catch on. Yeah. And, and how, but how many people miss that? They, you know, we, we have friends in common who've come and said, Hey, you know, that viral video with so-and-so Jess, could you get me in contact with Jay? Cause I think we could get that same actor yeah. thinking if we just paint these numbers, we'll get that result. And I remember yeah. your conversation of like, Hey, that's already been done. You can't get that result again. Cause what you're not seeing is the unexpectedness yeah. Now that that's been done, you can't. And that's what's so hard about marketing in general. I, I think this is like, the, uh, I, I think a lot of times people come to us and they're, they're hoping that we have a simple answer of like, you know, how do we do this? And it's like, um, and, and I'm always responding with, well, the way to do it is to be innovative and disruptive and do something that no one's done before. And that's always expensive and challenging. Um, and so, that that's really the the difficulty of good marketing is you're doing something that n- no one is doing um because the essence of marketing is getting your product to stand out in such a way that people know about it and or or your marketing to stand out kind of those two together and that's what's so hard about marketing is if you're doing what everyone else is doing if you're saying hey here's a great apple ad let's just do something similar it's like yeah but apple already did it and it's just going to look like a copy. And so, yeah, I've, I've, I would say like doubled down, tripled down on how unexpectedness is so key to great marketing. And you can play on kind of people's uh, expectations and twist them and, and, and really have fun with them. But if you're ever getting to the point where the marketing is formulaic, it's just really not going to work. So, yeah. Well, um, Moving on to what we're actually here to talk about yeah. today. In addition to the mini series coming out, maybe we'll catch that on, on part two about uh, startup marketing geniuses. Talk a bit more about that. Yeah. Let's talk about Pillow Cube. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I think it's kind of fun that, uh, well, I, I think that there's so many people that want to do entrepreneurship type of things uh, and it just is talk. Yeah. You know, because it's safe to stick with what I've always done. But so tell people what Pillow Cube is, and then I got some questions. It's the it's the pillow craze sweeping the nation. <laughs> um, <laughs> so about I mean, honestly, the idea has been there for like since I think I was five years old. But uh, I'm a I'm a really big side sleeper. Um, and ever since I was little, I just always noticed that I always kind of hated hated pillows um i would like my parents never bought new pillows so we had like really thin like worn down pillows 
Um, and so I'd pile up like two or three of those just to try and get my head in a position where my neck wasn't kind of out of whack or like super crazy angled either way. And so I always just, it drove me crazy. And I've always had this thought of like, man, it'd be really great to have a pillow that actually kind of supported my neck. Um, and I noticed that, that I love taking naps or like one of my favorite places to sleep was on couches that had kind of a low, uh, armrest, but, but like a soft square armrest. Um, and then I was on a shoot and we had these like foam bricks. Um, and I just started to kind of realize like, Oh, like if you just took a square, almost cube shape of foam, from the big mattress companies and stuff that you guys yeah. have had as clients. Yeah, like as we as we looked at as I looked at that, I was like, oh man, this like fits perfectly in my neck, and and that's kind of our whole thing is when you look at like your neck and your head and your shoulders, it's much more of a square and a right angle than I think most people realize. And so as I kind of played around with this foam, it was like, oh, you just need like a cube, not a uh, not an actual cube, and that's kind of the joke is it's almost a cube. Um, but as we played around with it, we're like, man, this is really comfortable. And it was interesting to me how, as I kind of just told people the idea and shared the idea, once people like grabbed it and touched it and held it, um, I mean, even our early, early prototypes, they like really reacted quickly, especially people who were side sleepers are like, oh my gosh, I've like been dreaming of this. And it was interesting seeing how many people would tell me, oh, I, I hate pillows, um, and it just kept coming up and it kept coming up. Well, I, th- I think too, like, it's funny that, that tangibleness of like, you actually got a prototype, you know, cause yeah. I, being around your office, uh, it's like, you know how, like <laughs> we all like those stupid squishy balls. Yeah. And just, so this giant like memory foam thing, like people like playing with, like oh I've gosh. seen people play Everyone, with it. like plays with it all the time. <laughs> yeah. You're like, stop, uh, they all stop disappear. touching that. That's <laughs> yeah. stop touching that. That's a prototype. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it was funny. I mean, the first prototype was we just glued a bunch of foam together, like with spray foam, spray glue, and then just wrapped it with some, some fabric we had, but it immediately, like everyone liked playing with it, putting it behind their back. And so that was a good test for me of when you have an idea and then immediately people kind of latch onto it and they use it, even if they're like, because some people be like, I don't know if I really like this. And like, and yet every time I see you, you're holding it, you know, or, um, you know, you want to talk about it. And so it was just really interesting to kind of look at uh, this idea and say, you know, how do we, how do we develop this in-house and do we develop it in-house yeah. and do we go well, after this? This is what I want to talk about because, you know, I remember you talking to me about, um, the, the concept of like, Hey, if you, if you drill a well almost to the water table, it was basically a waste of money. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't drill half a well and have yeah. it do any good for you. Yeah. And you know, we hang out a lot. I know that this is a struggle for you with customers of like, you know, people who have, who have never spent 10 grand on marketing on one thing or never spent 20 grand on marketing one yeah. thing. And it's like, well, these, you know, if you want to do a few million, it's kind of, you know, 200 grand or 500 grand is between making this, making this thing funny and getting the writers and then yeah. the, the whole distribution back end, you know, yep. <laughs> Facebook and 
YouTube make you pay to play these days. Yeah. Right? yeah. And and there is that like, hey, like you got to pay to play if you want to be in the big leagues kind of thing. Yeah. And and at the same time, it's not co- about completely throwing caution to the wind. I think a misperception of entrepreneurs so much is that they like risk or they embrace risk where, you know, you're starting out, you're, you're gluing foam together with yourselves. Yeah. Right. And then, and then your Kickstarter that you guys just did last week, right. It's like, here's a real test. You you know, my mom will always say she likes my invention, Yeah. but will people we don't know actually give us cash for it? And that's, I think like the true test. I mean, I think anytime, you're talking to friends and and I try to be pretty objective. I mean, even with our own clients, because really with our own clients, we have to be super picky because if we, if we go work with like, we only have seven or eight clients at a time um, because we're so focused on blowing up that specific company and helping them grow. And so we don't have a ton of time. So we have to be really selective and really look at them and say, okay, is this a great product? Is this something people love? And so I try to be pretty objective, but at the same time, like with this one, it was my own idea. And so, and something I've thought about for, for years and years, like I have college roommates who, who were like, oh yeah, I remember you talking about how much you hate pillows and like how you wish there was a better pillow. And, you know, I'd done research about like how Japanese people, and in different Asian cultures would use boxes, wrap them in towels and and like all these things to to get a better pillow for for side sleepers. So, it was an idea that I really was passionate about and liked, but for me it was how do I test that in a true test? How do I not go spend, you know, 50 grand um, because I think that's what a lot of people as we were talking about earlier this morning before we started recording like that's the challenge for entrepreneurs is you have this whole staircase and you have to do all of these things until you get to the end. And and that end might be like selling the company. It might be making a million dollars, whatever it is, but there's all these things, all these steps you have to take. And what I notice a lot of my friends who talk about entrepreneurship and how they wish they could be an entrepreneur is they get worried about like step 50 and 40. And it's like, dude, you haven't even taken step one. And so for me, I was trying to, okay, so step one, we talk to people about yeah, it. Yeah, let's talk to people about it. Two, make a prototype. Yeah. Three. Yeah. Um, three, like keep testing it, at, get feedback. And, you know, what people don't see, even in with PillowCube, is like we tried different designs and it always kind of was like overcomplicating it. And then it was like we kept kind of going back to this simple idea of just like a cube of foam. I was like, ah, oh, that's probably too simple. Like, we need to make it cooler. We need to, like, have a hole for your arm and all this stuff. And it was like, yeah, but just, like, the original thing really worked. And it was also interesting how it was such a different idea. I mean, pillows are not cubes um, or even cube-shaped. Like, they are, you know, rounded and, and kind of, uh, you know, very not square and, and hard lines. Uh, but it was interesting how that how that very different idea was really powerful and then we just kept testing it and so even with kickstarter we launched our kickstarter last week uh on wednesday the day before july 4th uh (laughs) for a marketer may not have been the (laughs) yeah and and it was kind of like you know just do a true test like uh you know july 4th isn't a great day for buying stuff but it was we just kind of got to that point where it was like well and let's back up there yeah so you guys are like well let's see if we can even get ten thousand dollars worth of people to to buy this right and 
you hit it in 48 hours. Yeah. We hit it in the first 48 hours. We launched on Wednesday. Over July 4th, it, di- it really slowed down, but we still, we still hit our goal. Um, and that's, I think, that true test. And that's where, where I'm always telling my friends, like, you want to get to that as soon as possible because everyone, every one of your friends is going to tell you they're going to buy. But even with Kickstarter, that's what's amazing. You can see every backer. And so I was texting everyone I knew, just like, hey, I launched this. If you want to back it, back it. I'd love to hear it. And like some friends backed it. Some friends, it was pretty obvious they backed it but didn't really want it. But what was really interesting was seeing which friends, you know, because when you tell your friends, all of them are like, dude, that's such a cool idea. That's awesome. That's rad. Um, But then some of them don't buy it, who told you it was a great idea. Um, which is fine. Like it's there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just but, interesting. But it is that, that difference. Truth. It is that difference between, hey, if I made this, would you buy it? And then yep. people are like, for sure, that's such a great I'm idea. In. Yeah. And then you show up and be like, okay, I I got it. Uh, can you give me a hundred bucks? I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. And I literally saw that. But it was also interesting seeing friends and family. Like my brother-in-law was even like, dude, I am a side sleeper. I hate my pillow. I have neck pain every day. Like if this solves my problem, I will like love this company and product forever. So and and now we're getting like I'm every day I'm getting messages from people like in Germany and France and yesterday the the Kickstarter of Japan reached out and like wants it to be on there. And so as as you do this, you start to get real feedback. And I think that's I mean when you look at like lean startup and all these different methodologies the whole point of all of them is just like get to the point as quickly as possible where you find if people will hand you money for your product. And and that's what was great about Kickstarter. We didn't do a bunch of pre-marketing. We didn't, I mean, now Kickstarter, you have campaigns where people are spending half a million just to launch a Kickstarter. <laughs> and then sometimes they're making a couple million. Sometimes they're not making anything. Like I've, I've worked on, on Kickstarters where clients will spend 250 grand and only do a hundred grand. And that's a great test because now, you know, like now, you know, um, but for us, we did like a true Kickstarter. We wrote the video. We wrote the script in like an hour, um, really quick. We, we filmed it in our own office with our own people. Everyone in the video is like an employee. Um, and it was a perfect test to just see like, do people outside of my, outside of my mom and my dad and my siblings and my best friends, do people actually want to give me money for this product? And it's amazing how already, even with our limited marketing, we, we haven't done a bunch of stuff. We haven't spent a bunch of money. We're still like, we're at 12 grand. Um, and now we're kind of saying like, okay, we have something here. Cause with almost no marketing spend, uh, we have 130 people. We, we'd never met, never talked to who read our copy, watched our video and said, I want to purchase. And it's an, I mean, it's not a cheap pillow. It's not a $5 pillow. You know, it's a $50 pillow. Um, so yeah, so it's really fascinating to see that. And I think that's what a lot of like kind of entrepreneurs almost, <laughs> they, they like miss out on, like they want to be an entrepreneur, but they get so stuck on like the whole staircase. And it's like, dude, just one step at a time. Yeah. So well, I think it's a good place to end for part one. Yeah. Um, uh, I got a bunch more questions about it, but we'll, we'll save them for part two. Okay, sounds Everybody, great. please tune back in. Um, if you want to, if you want to check out the work that Jay's firm does for all these other clients, it's creatably.com. You yep. spell that C R E A T A B L Y dot com. And then 
Pillow Cube. J- j- just go to Kickstarter yep. and type in Pillow Cube. Yep. I know there's like some other pillows out there. There's yeah, there's the, a couple the going cubes right now. and the yeah, yeah. these other things. But <laughs> you'll you'll know because it's it's like literally a cube. Yeah. <laughs> by yeah. Jay Davis. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about. If you remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or $400 million. Anyways, he, uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks. Well, I'm going to the beach where I belong. It's Coca-Cola nights at the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. And Wednesday and Thursday nights after five. Bring a Coca-Cola can and get unlimited rides for just $14.95. Well, the Wednesday and Thursday nights after 5, unlimited rides for just $14.95. At the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, in the warm California sun.